Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And I am finishing up a bomb pop, <laughs> um, which is like lucky lucky for you guys. I'm almost done, so you won't get the ASMR action I was thinking about doing. Mm-hmm. But Katie, let me ask you. My stick has a question. What does corn say when it's frustrated? I don't know what. Ah oh, shucks. Uh, and that's our joke of the day. I'm eating a bomb pop because it's July 5th, which means yesterday was July 4th, which means when you're hearing this, it's fuck knows what day because mm-hmm. we're, we're a little behind. We're a little backlogged. <laughs> uh, but Katie, I, I'm loving I'm loving the patriotic choice for today. Yeah, um, I figured since uh, we just celebrated 4th of July that it would be nice to uh, look for a movie that was somewhat patriotic. I... Uh, went into this time, this was my pick, and I went into this trying to look for a patriotic movie that would be both fun but kind of goofy. And what I was originally picturing was something that's, like, very, like, America, yes, and Russia, no, or, like, one of those things, like, big, muscly guys. Like Red Dawn. Yeah, like Red Dawn, but I didn't want to watch Red Dawn. So I, uh, I was trying to think about, like, what's... That's a mistake. Yeah, uh, you don't... Really? Is Red would you recommend Red Dawn? The first the original I would. Oh, good to know. I mean, it's culty. I'm not mm-hmm. sitting here telling you it's fucking it's not an Academy Award winner, but yeah, mm-hmm. you should totally watch Red Dawn. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh I don't I don't recommend the Josh Peck Hemsworth re- remake, but I saw that in theater too. Mm. Maybe that maybe if you watch Red Dawn and you respond to it and really like it, uh we'll we'll watch the shitty Red Dawn with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I'd be down for that and to maybe watch <laughs> the original at some point. But like I was, yeah. you know, I I really did want to find an American movie that kind of fits our bill. And eventually, I I was looking through all these lists of American movies, and a lot of them are, like, best American movies to watch during Fourth of July to make you feel patriotic. And I was like, yes, but goofy? And Mm -hmm. sure enough, I eventually landed on the Nicolas Cage classic National Treasure. I gotta say, too, um... the fact that this is is a bad movie critically truly surprised me. Like when you sent it to me, I was like, okay, but that's an excellent movie. I mean, I'll totally watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, the second one rocks too. And then you're like, well, Luke, it has like a forty percent or whatever. And I was like, what? Is it really? <laughs> and yeah. then I have to remember. And this is like, you know, I think we're going through this a lot, especially recently uh, on the podcast. Is like. Sometimes my 2004 goggles are a lot different than mm-hmm. uh, than 2020, so I do kind of get it now. Um, but I, I think it holds a certain significance. I mean, like I'm a shill for Disney, mm-hmm. not really, because like they don't pay me. But I'm I'm a shill I'm a shill for Amazon Prime. You can go stream Break on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm a shill for Kevin Smith. You can join go join that Kevin Smith club, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but Disney doesn't doesn't pay me to to love them. I just do. I pay them a lot of money to keep loving them. Um, there's a thing that they do uh, very well. It's not just them, but it's something they do. It's a sort of revisionist history. And uh, I was watching Saving Mr. Banks last night, mm-hmm. which is one of my fucking just oh my god, one of my faves. And I do love it. But there's there's something to be said about like watching that movie and loving it and. The things I love about that are, like, the same things I don't like about Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Mm. Like how it's sort of like a watered down, not not factual, like very glittery take. It works in Disney's favor because that's who Disney is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I want to see Tom Hanks being happy Walt Disney. I don't want to see him with lung cancer. Like I I don't want to see him, you know. Like I don't want to see there being like nasty things going on uh, at the Disney studios. I don't want I don't want Mad Men. I don't want P.L. Travers to to despise them all. And I just watched a doc. I'm getting offhand. I'll get back to it. I just uh, watched a doc on there uh, called The Boys about the Sherman Brothers who, you know, won two Oscars for the the music on Mary Poppins. And uh, they were, you know, staples at Disney and and other places as well. And there's a doc their sons did on Disney Plus um, that tells this very gripping, like, inside story. And, like, those brothers were not tight. They were Mm. putting on, like, a crazy facade. Like, they despise each other like these boys the sons the new wave of sherman brother or cousins i should say um who who made this uh doc uh are like yeah we never really met until we were like 30 or something and we lived six blocks away from each other like our families just stayed apart and like you find out that like this very intriguing like like brother like sibling dynamic like that was happening behind the scenes of like these guys that were responsible for a bunch of happy-go-lucky Disney. So then it's mm-hmm. to watch Saving Mr. Banks in that light, and you see B.J. Novak and Schwartzman crushing it, but it's all very adorable and sweet. The point is, it's all to say that I I think there's something to be said about like making the movie and making a good movie and whether or not the history is always, eh, you know, you can play with it. National Treasure is, I think I can make a case for it, um, because it's like making history fun. It's like edgy enough and just adventurous enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yes, here we are in 2020 and it's like, all right, obviously we know now more than ever that the, the American history we've been taught, you know, isn't necessarily, uh, you know, there's things that aren't there. They're sugarcoated. They're flat out omitted. And, uh, romanticizing that is, is a tricky thing nowadays. But on the, on the other hand, I'm sitting there like, Yo, if a kid watches this and this gets them interested in, like, some sort of, like, you know, like, oh, I know Ben Franklin or whoever the fuck did it in the movie. I Mm -hmm. I think it was Ben Franklin. I know Ben Franklin invented bifocals now, and that's not going to help me uh, in life, but it could help me ace my history test in 2004. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the same thing like Forrest Gump does, where it's like, yes, that's a bullshit movie in terms of, like, historical, historical accuracies or romanticizing history and everything else. But it does make it uh, palatable for a younger audience. That's really interesting. That that take actually hadn't occurred to me while I was watching the movie. But yeah, I could definitely see why this would get like like a kid interested in these historical facts or uh, keep those facts more solidified in their brain than if it was just something that they read. So that's. I, I really like that take because that, that really hadn't occurred to me while I was watching it. And I think that it's in part because um, there uh, there's this thing that I keep mentioning to people, and I hope I haven't mentioned it to you too often, but that there does seem to be this uh, difference between family movies and kids' movies. And this is definitely more of a family movie. All of the characters yeah. are adults. They're on a, an adult treasure hunt. The only thing that just doesn't make it you know, like, 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 there's no bad, there's no, like, 
cursing, there's no sexual content, there there is some violence, but it's distant. Um, there's some gun violence, but not like yeah. but it's funny. Like Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage is never scared, so that's part of it. Like he mm-hmm. always seems like he's never phased by anything in the entire movie, which I think helps a kid not be scared. Mm-hmm. So sorry to me to cut you off. Oh no, not at all. And I do feel like we've kind of gotten away from making family movies now. That that's kind of fallen out of favor. Like it's either something like purely for kids or purely for uh, older teens or adults. There doesn't seem to be that much stock in creating movies with adult characters that are for both adults and children. Especially and for live and action. Totally. And, and I feel like who's who, like Disney is still like, they've always been that market. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always been that game. Like, yes, they made princess movies. Yes, they made like animated features. But they also like were... You know, a lot of their a lot of their stuff that was you know winning awards in the early days aren't, aren't stuff that like a kid could super rock with. Mm-hmm. Like Mary Poppins is itself is I feel like a grueling movie for a kid nowadays. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like would bore the shit out of them, uh, or like some of that like Disney and by extension like Marvel Studios, I feel like is still doing that family movie because oh that's those a good Captain point. America like, yeah. that, that's the only one I can think of the only then that's still Disney it's like this is mm-hmm. still their realm and uh and that's kind of been their thing from the jump like mm-hmm. in 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 the in its infancy all the way through the conception of parks and on to you know here we are today like Disney is super favoring the experience of a, a parent and a kid getting to enjoy one thing together mm-hmm. um and that's like where it all comes from so i'm i'm thrilled to see that but what i wonder is like that it's not without their fair share of misfires Mm -hmm. because like you look at like john carter which didn't get on lone ranger which didn't get on uh this got a sequel which i enjoyed and this obviously i think did fine financially i don't know what the difference maker is is it it like national treasure is not is not something disney did based on ip but it is because it's based on like the ip of like historical like our nation's history which Mm -hmm. is a great ip to mine from because it's free and people are patriotic um but other other than that like the other ips don't like didn't generate the money and like now we're in the the world of all their remakes Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i and i but i i I see what you mean like it's like an entire genre of film totally went away it's like you hear people talking about like the 50 million dollar movie like the the ones that were for like reserved for like rom-coms or like you know stuff like that those movies don't happen anymore uh mm-hmm. it's either indie or it's you know 100,000 or 100 million that sort of sort of deal um but marvel and i'm rambling today i'm just excited about the topic we're getting disney-fied you know i get <laughs> i get fucking motor mouth when the mouse is involved no uh, no no. i'm i'm so pleased I, because i actually felt like i don't i well we'll get to that but please continue I wonder, I just wonder if, like, who else, because, like, you got me thinking, like, who else is Mm -hmm. doing it? Like, Disney has Marvel and Star Wars, which is absolutely grown-up characters in movies for me as a 27-year-old and for, like, my nieces. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, we can both rock with Avengers and have a great time. We can both watch Thor Ragnarok and laugh at the jokes. Um, Star Wars is the same deal, but who I don't know. I can't think of anybody else who's doing that, like... Uh, Illumination, like that Grinch movie, rocked, and I think it was downright hilarious. And you know, Scott Mosier was co-writer on it, and that that maybe we know he's a funny dude that can that can make an adult smile as well, based mm-hmm. on his history. But 
I, I don't. That movie was definitely for kids, way more so than the Jim Carrey Grand Iteration. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. The Despicable Me movies are for kids. Like uh, you're right. Like there's nobody that kind of sit, sits in the middle that mm-hmm. I can think of offhand that goes theatrical. So I definitely mm-hmm. concede to you in that respect that I think that it's, it's an excellent point that this could get uh, children interested in history. I think that it's great that it's a live-action family film, which are very rare now in a non-Marvel, non-Star Wars way, as you pointed out. And um, I, what I gotta say, upon watching this, I had never watched it before. This was my first time going into it, and I was always curious because I do like Nicolas Cage quite a lot, and he, oh, he's the best. Oh my gosh, Moonstruck! His role in Moonstruck is one of my favorite things of all time. Like, he just goes over the top for Cher in that movie. And I felt like this movie was a big blind spot, and I really wanted to check it out. But honestly, upon watching it, it's definitely more focused on plot than character. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where it loses me. Because I don't feel like I really know Benjamin Franklin Gates. The fact that he isn't scared at anything at any point... Makes him less interesting to me because even Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes, and his Ben Gates is fearless, bro. His his love interest, um, I I couldn't tell in the initial scenes if she was going to be the love interest for him or his computer, uh, savvy Mm, sidekick, Riley. Riley. And um, I, I felt like they never got any chemistry throughout the film. I didn't really feel like I knew who Riley was either. I knew that he was good with computers and goofier than uh, Benjamin Franklin Gates. But I and you know Sean Bean was a bad British guy that had blonde hair, and that's as far yeah. as that went. the The character that I felt like got the most almost fleshed out was Benjamin Gates's dad, played by John Voight who has this yeah yeah, who spends a lot of the movie pretty well in the beginning (laughs) yeah and he he like doesn't want to his character doesn't want to be a part of this situation which i think is interesting that he um he has like this great past with this like family who's had the secret of where all this treasure's hidden that's been handed down from the freemasons and the knights templar and he just wants no part of it he thinks it's all hokum and so he's caught in between his father and his son. That's interesting. But the rest of the characters didn't give me a lot to chew on. It's definitely like more like, okay, we got the clue for this. Now we need to go here. Doesn't so it feel like? Doesn't it feel like IP? Doesn't it feel like they're they're adapting a like a like a comic? They're literally they're taking a, a history book and and like they're like, okay, if we took a middle school American history textbook and we and we mashed it up with Indiana Jones, Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. Like, this is what you get. And, yeah. like, it. I think, uh, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it doesn't go much past that concept, uh, especially re-examining it, re-examining it now. Um, I was shocked by that opening, the opening exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shocked. I, I don't know why I was so shocked, but I'm like, yo, you got a two hour movie here. So I don't know if I need the grandpa to give me the exposition. And then the opening scene with adult gates, it's like, Ben, your family's been, your family's been ridiculed your entire life and mm-hmm. all of these things. And I was just like, I, again, I know it's, you're right though. It's for the family audience. It's for a kid to just understand it enough, but it was weird. And like, 
I wasn't super impressed by, um, you're right, sort of like a lack of development here and there. And I was shocked about like how ice cold Nick Cage was when he's getting like, I mean, he's holding the Declaration of Pen- De- uh, Declaration of Independence. He's getting like they're shooting bullets at it, which is badass. And they set mm-hmm. up it's good a, a good beat. They set up that that thing's bullet bulletproof and all that shit's super cool. And I think it's nice of uh like I said earlier to have him keep his cool, so nobody's like freaking out or anything. It's just edgy mm-hmm. enough. It's like it's James Bond is too much for a kid, but Ben Ben Gates is like exactly right. Um, so I. I don't know. I, I I think that I did enjoy uh, a lot of things about it in my rewatch. I've seen it dozens of times, dozens of times. My dad mm. loved this movie. Uh, absolutely loved it. He loved Nick Cage um, uh, in general. And I think that there is a weird cyclical nature to Nick Cage uh, and people's relationship with him because I feel like it just is an infinity loop of people like I grew up and I'm like oh Nick Cage is the fucking man you know he's an Oscar Mm -hmm. he was the Oscar winner when we were kids like he was uh, in a lot but he was really like and plus my taste is built off of like what I see and my dad loved Nick Cage like love Con Air and all this other shit so I see Nick Cage as the movie star and I I don't realize until maybe into like college um, that like there's a world where like oh are people roasting Nick Cage like why are we doing that and Mm -hmm. then I'm like uh, and then I'm like, well, yeah, Nick Cage is silly. And then I come back around and I'm like, Nick Cage is a genius. Like, what kind of performer, like, gives it a, gives it his, his all and stuff like this and, like, all these different, like, roles. And it's like, you know, whatever those reasons are, I don't know the fucking dude, so I don't know, mm-hmm. like, what rumors are true and what aren't. But I appreciate how Andy goes to a role and I think he's great in this. I also think that if you had – well, it doesn't sound like you enjoyed it and the second one I think is longer. But, dude, I, I, I like the second one too just because – uh, they expand, they bring in John Voight big time. And mm. then they also expand on John, like, uh, Ben Gates's mom and, uh, dad's estranged relationship. And basically Ben and his girl in this movie are estranged in the second one. And mm-hmm. they all get clustered together in this treasure hunt. It's, it's, it's a much more interesting conflict going on. Um, but it's a lot more Lincoln-y and it's also like a lot more like Mount, Mount, Mount Rushmore-y if I recall. And, Granted, where we are in, in the world, it might not even be worth rewatching. I don't know. Um, but I do think that they figure that out, and it's maybe one of the rare sequels uh, figured out what your criticism is. Maybe it's one of the rare sequels where they were able to, to do a little more character deep diving. Um, you know, I, I, maybe National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets is the Empire Strikes Back of the National Treasure uh, <laughs> franchise uh, series mm-hmm. franchise, which I think could totally fucking be revived on uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, like you were mentioning that it sounds like it was like adapted from like a middle school textbook. And I do feel like there could be like a Carmen Sandiego kind of element to Dude, yeah. this character if it were expanded with with the character in mind, for sure. Um but yeah, I, I do think that part of the reason why that we don't get to spend a lot of time with the characters is because nine different people wrote on the script. And I think... Oh, shit. I didn't yeah. realize that. Oh, my God. And I think... That's a studio picture. I think that might be why the second one expands their relationships more, because there was more breathing room, because there wasn't nine people working on one script. Sure, sure. Yeah, and man... Based on, like, I remember I heard stories, uh, like, Marcus and McFeely, the screenwriters of all three Captain Americas, and then, uh, I think, the second Thor, and also 
uh, Infinity War and Endgame, they had been they had talked to Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and about the process and the collaborative way uh, of going about writing a script and doing story in this big room and you're in this room with all these people from the studio and there's a video screen and you're going through everything and it's like, fuck, it sounds so grueling. And then they released that Frozen 2 into the making of on Disney Plus and I was watching it and it's that same deal of like, God, I can't imagine how crippling that would be as an animator or as like a screenwriter and have to sit with all of those different voices and opinions. Like... Yo, making an indie movie was hard, but mm-hmm. no one got to make a decision other than me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I got to, every story call is me. Every single decision, for better or worse, is me. Um, I can't imagine what it must be like to have to sign off on that. And having a nine-person screenplay, like, mm-hmm. ugh. It sounds disgusting. Yeah. Too many cooks. About eight too many. Um my other uh my other my other thing is like if they if they were to mm-hmm. if they were to spin this out I think the better way to go about it if you want to revive it for today's audience is like Ben Gates is cool but like fuck fuck the Ben Franklin shit let's get away from the Lincoln shit let's let's go away let's do like I don't know like a descendant of like a native or like do like oh, I'm Harriet Tubman's great-great-granddaughter. And, like, maybe Mm -hmm. you get a cameo from Nick Cage, like, in the pilot or Mm -hmm. something. But, like, they have their own treasure hunt. Like, I'm just saying, like, there's a way that this IP, they could have, like, it can can live on. It made its money. It did it twice. And um, you don't, I feel like you don't need that much money. But if you do, Disney's got it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if anybody's clamoring for it. I think you're, I think it would probably have to be a spin or a take. I do think that there are some people at Disney who are um, it, with their in their television division who do want to create things that are a bit more educational. I know that like PBS has that on lock, and I do think that there's a lot of pressure on Disney to like more sell product than there than there is to educate. But I do think sure. that the desire to educate is still there. So I do think that this would be worth jumping off of. And I agree if it was a descendant of like. Harriet Tubman or um and like a Native American Dude, who got Sacagawea, caught with, yeah. Sacagawea buried a treasure before she got on the boat with Lewis and Clark or some shit. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like <laughs> let's go down that road. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like like I can fucking write it for you right now, but I shouldn't mm-hmm. you, you don't cuz you know, let's get away from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but no, I, I I would totally watch that man. Like I think there's enough brand recognition on National Treasure. I, again, could have a skewed view of things, but I thought these were well-liked flicks. But again, I am in a very Disney prism. And if you've never seen them till now, that's like, I can't imagine that world. So again, I could have, I'm very bogged down and conditioned to give Disney, like, of course it was good. It was Disney. I do think that there are people who really like this, though, because I do remember having conversations, like, like this movie comes up, like, semi-regularly throughout my life where people are like, oh yeah, National Treasure, Nick Cage. And they, you do see kind of some, I have seen people get delighted at the mention of this movie before, so I know it's not mm-hmm. just you, but I completely missed it. But, you know, we've we've done this before, where you and I have had very different experiences with media. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just for all the movies you saw in theater with your mom and stuff, I feel like every movie we bring up, it's like, I saw that in theater. I'm like, how? <laughs> like, and, and but yeah. it's just, it's surprising. It feels like such a big one. Mm-hmm. Um but dude i remember i don't remember if it was rumors or if i dreamt it but i remember even hearing rumblings in the past couple years about a national treasure three or something and i was like fuck yes we should do a Mm -hmm. national treasure three 
I bet um, Nicolas Cage would be up for it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I he seems like he's up for a lot. He seems pretty pretty rocking. He's a big Superman fan. I know we've talked about that before. I just think that's awesome. Well, again, um, well, as you and I know, there was a there was a timeline where the Kevin Smith super Superman oh, uh, yes. script got picked up and we we had Nicolas Cage as Superman. Oh, indeed. I we, they, we I could be also, living in that world. Dude, I don't know what timeline we're in cuz uh, this will be late news, but like I when Kanye announced his presidential bid last night, I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Yeah, dude. I was like, maybe I. I was like, maybe I died in January. Like, I could have <laughs> died. Like, there's a there's yeah. a world where, like, because this is just like, and I know it's not just me because everybody's having a fucked up year. Mm-hmm. But doesn't it just feel like the simulation's off, man? Yeah, like, it really there's does. A gl- there's a glitch in there's a glitch in the fucking matrix. Mm-hmm. I just watched Watchmen, dude, and it's like it's feeling too real. It's feeling too real. You should watch Watchmen. I know I said that when we were off mic uh, last week, but Watchmen mm-hmm. the series is fucking nuts. It's I have so heard good. really good things. Oh my god, my god! It was just like I've never. I can't remember devouring nine hours of content like that. Like maybe, maybe when Daredevil first hit Netflix, when it was like this big hot commodity, did I watch something that bulky that quick? Mm-hmm. Um, but but Watchmen, dude, I'm like. I'm just a Damon Lindelof guy now. I'm a big fan. Like we had, we talked about him uh, on the show with Tomorrowland. I never mm-hmm. watched Lost or basically any of his other shit. But now I'm like, oh, he's a master. The master's at work. Like mm-hmm. this is this is screenwriting. This is art. <laughs> Sorry, I- I'm on tangents today. <laughs> Not at all. Are we in extra credits? I don't know. Are we? I mean, what? What is? I mean, how much can we? I guess we never really dug into the plot, but I mean, you get it. Like, yeah, you get it. Yeah, it's it's an <laughs> adventure movie that has Eaton to do treasures. with American history, and Nicolas Cage is in it. Look, everybody's seen it, but Katie, anyways. So we don't have to go <laughs> through the we don't have to go through the fucking plot. Yeah, he was the only the only child in America who didn't see National <laughs> Treasure one and one and two and have the Blu-ray on their shelf. Oh, <laughs> um, a bereft child am I? Yeah, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of what kind of shit? No, I'm kidding. I I I don't know. I mean, it's all pretty it's all pretty standard, like you said. I mean, you could probably think of the beats yourself. I don't I don't say that to be a prick, but it's like you're right, like. You meet this character, he's a good guy. You meet this other character, he's a bad guy. It's like you meet girl, she's bad. You meet the girl later, she's good. Well, and it's like I gotta say when I when we did meet Sean Bean for the first time, I thought that the betrayal was gonna come at like the climax. I thought we were gonna be with Sean Bean for a while, and I do appreciate okay, that's fair. that they they had him turn like immediately because you didn't have to wait for the obvious like betrayal. He just right up and did it and so there is kind of this tension that is present throughout the film of it's a race between sean bean and nicholas cage yeah to totally. get the declaration of independence that is a great good choice. versus evil i'll concede you give to him that. a just a, a just reason off the bat i guess mm-hmm. to to make him do some crazy shit um which i'm into like seeds are there i've watched it i enjoyed it i'd watch it again mm-hmm. i remember the one the one big thing i wanted to talk to you about this it was just really rubbing me a certain way um we, let's talk about the riley of it all i think he's hilarious i've mm-hmm. all he's always been my favorite character in this movie um in both movies like there's still lines that i could i could quote to you as it's on like when i was watching earlier is like the preservation room and he's like he is like do you know what that's for and he's like delicious jams and jellies like mm-hmm. that's a fucking 
top tier joke. There you go. Killing it. But I wonder, I just got down this weird rabbit hole of my own mind about that dude's career because he's really dope in this. He gets to come back in the, in a second one, big, massive studio picture, Disney paycheck, good stuff. Then he's the dude in hangover who's not in hangover, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many people know him as Doug, the dude who's in the hangover trilogy for like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, and I, and then I haven't seen him since. So I wonder, like, yes, you totally got paid for, like, you know, you get these National Treasure gigs, and I'm sure you got paid, and it probably was huge for your career because he, st- he was a standout, in my opinion. Um, and then you have The Hangover where he disappears from the whole movie. That movie mm-hmm. is massive, gets another massive sequel where he disappears again. Like, he's all, he's not with the guys. And, like, that turns into a franchise where, yeah, he's probably not hating the paychecks, but did that fuck his career up? Like, I don't know the dude. I'm, I'm, I'm speculating obviously, but I'm just curious. Like does being the guy in hangover, who's the guy who's not in hangover. I don't think so because I'm looking at his, I, uh, his, uh, his Wikipedia page right now. And he's had pretty steady work and he's appeared in all three hangovers. And, uh, he was in that movie, white girl that was about drugs he uh he's gonna be in a mo- in an upcoming movie called Sweet Girl. He was in Drunk History, like. Uh, All right. Well, here's the, I'm not trying to roast the guy. I'm just saying like you'd think if you have if you have and yes, I, I realize he was in those Hangar movies, but you think if like you have five massive studio pictures that accrued hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, you put all those Hangovers and National Treasure together. Mm-hmm. It's just like. I, you wonder if he, if like, why doesn't, why doesn't that, I just don't understand the rhyme and rhythm. I wonder why that dude doesn't move into leading man material or, uh, or, or something. Cause I think he has a certain amount of charisma and I really liked him. I thought he was charming. Mm-hmm. This is all to say, like, I, ho- I hope I'm not shitting on the dude. I don't know his career. And I guess I didn't realize he was still working. All I know is I haven't seen him and I watch a lot of movies that should not be the judgment of his career. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's doing wonderful and I'm, very I'm poor, so I'm not speaking looking, monetarily. Looking at it, I think it's just because he's been in TV. Um, okay, so he's a TV guy. That's all. Yeah, good. yeah. That's where the money is. Mm-hmm. So I think he's doing okay. So good for him, Justin Whatever. Bartha. <laughs> Justin Bartha. I fucking. I'm really sorry for what I said. And like, hopefully, if you ever hear this episode, you'll know that I'm. It's my fault for not researching your career more thoroughly before I went on my soapbox. But in terms um, of why he's not a leading film guy, it might be because he, as you stated, he is in The Hangovers for a very brief amount of time. And in uh, National Treasure, he's kind of the goofy sidekick. So there hasn't really been yeah. a chance for him to shine. I don't think, at least from yeah, what I know I of his like career. I hear his you. Film yeah, which, we need to do, which we need to know more of. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just feel like moving logically, if he's a standout in a big movie like this and a standout like both of them, and then like he gets cast in Hangover 1, I just wonder from there, again, I'm sure he's doing great. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean that anyway. All I guess this is all of me to say that like I wanted more of that dude in the, in the limelight because I just thought he was so funny as a kid. Like me and my sister thought he was so fucking funny in this movie. Mm. But... I guess that's all it, That's all I'm saying. Look, you're doing great, Justin Bartha. For what it's worth, when I was like, watching this movie, I was like, who is this guy? And I tried to IMDB him, me. and I think I got on the wrong page because I thought he was an English actor, but he is absolutely American. Um, nah, he's pretty American. He yeah. has a, a, a thin little mustache. I like it. It looks mm-hmm. good. It's a, you know, 
educational flick, Katie, and you, and you yes. made the right call. It's patriotic enough for July 5th. Whenever mm-hmm. it's posted, it'll be a, a nice dose of patriotism if we're still here. Um, <laughs> it's kind of how we have to like play it these days. You never know. Mm-hmm. 2020 is a weird place. We, have, we made it halfway through. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Like, month seven. Um, so we'll see. I'm supposed to be married soon. That'll be that'll be sweet. Yeah, that'll um, be lovely. Yeah, let's roll into extra credits. Tell me what you're watching, because I've talked about what I'm watching the entire episode. So, uh, yesterday morning on the 4th of July, I woke up next to Erica and I was like, what if we watched Schoolhouse Rock? Because I just, uh, and yes. I, I guess I had that urge last year, which I completely forgot about, but I'm pretty sure we just watched. Um, it's a dormant urge in you every year that just yeah. awakens on, on, on the eve of July 4th. Yeah, we're a bit of like, patriotism. But, but last year. A bomb pop melts away. Yeah. Um, I think we just watched the I'm Just a Bill segment. Classic. And uh, this year we watched all 13 America segments. And. Mm. So, by the way, those are delightful for the most part. They're they're a nice little introduction for history, for kids, and it's nice to feel a bit of patriotism. You do have to look at some of the segments with, okay, now we know better in terms of, like, education and, you know, like, what we did to the Native Americans and, like, this, that, and the other. But yeah. for the majority of it, it is nice to feel, like, a little patriotic. And, um, oh, dude. But then you get to the last one. Whoops. The last segment in the American uh, Schoolhouse Rock is called Elbow Room, and it's all about, yeah, dude, it's all about American expansion, and it ends on this very bleak note that if it's it's too crowded here, we can always colonize the moon, and uh, oh, oh, bleak. It's so bleak, man. It made me so bummed out. I was like, wow, Schoolhouse Rock, really... Wow. Was Schoolhouse Rock the one that did the that that put music to the preamble? Yeah, yeah. That's them. Oh, I, let's do it. We the people in order to form a more perfect union. Establish judges and as a tranquility. I'm not gonna do the whole thing, but I could. <laughs> I could. Oh, I'm sure. Um, that's good shit, man. At least they at least they did it they knew well enough to put see there it is. It's like the elbow room sketch is super fucked up. Mm-hmm. But Schoolhouse Rock did help me memorize the preamble for my constitution test in eighth grade. So oh, nice! I I didn't know that this, about you. You know, this is the this is the road we this is the road we walk down. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, it's a media is a is a fickle bitch. Yeah, this is true. We're just having to learn to work our way through it. And uh, continuing on the bit of patriotism, yesterday I also watched with uh, all of my roommates the. Uh, production of hamilton that just came out on disney plus oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. how was it i've never seen it still oh it's fantastic i thoroughly enjoyed it the the only thing is that i can't even imagine what it'd be like to see it live because it looks impressive yeah. recorded so i can understand why it would just blow people's minds if, mm-hmm. if you see it live and in person which Taylor who knows when live theater is going to happen again but like i'm i'm looking forward to it once it is safe yeah, not not in 2020. That's mm-hmm. how it sounds. At least not not on Broadway, anyways, right? Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Taylor saw it in Chicago. It blew her mind. Um, I remember, and that was after like year three or four or some shit. Remember mm-hmm. when we were at Remember when we were at DePaul and Terrence, uh, uh, 
Terrence, what did he like come to California late or something for LA quarter because he he got he scored him and Sarah Hamilton tickets. He's like, I've gotta see Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I remember because I I was actually telling all of my roommates like, yeah, the most impressive flex I've ever seen, and I was talking about T money and the Hamilton tickets. People gotta know. You don't understand. I mean, dude, fuck yeah. Like, how the fuck? <laughs> I still don't know how he got them. They probably fell off a truck. Mm-hmm. But regardless, yeah, I need to check it out. I saw it was up, and I know everybody loves it. I mean, obviously, everybody loves it. They have loved it. It's nothing new. And I don't have much of an excuse if I'm gonna watch everything else that's ever been posted on Disney Plus. But, um, you know, I'll definitely sit down. And I, I think there's probably some innate like hipster in me. It's like like oh everybody's talking about it but dude uh, it's such a stupid that's such a stupid thing inside me and I, I really try to get away from it um so i'm gonna check it out i see it's three hours long but i'm gonna check it out yeah it's it's absolutely a commitment but if um if you have three hours i'd highly recommend it what the fuck else am i doing right i have i have every hour so <laughs> <laughs> um what else anything anything else you watched uh, I have been playing Ham Taro Ham Ham Heartbreak. I just beat it again. <laughs> I play it every couple of years because it it just charms me. I think it's yeah, just a delight. It's it just it's about hamsters, like just learning hamster language and look the- <laughs> saving relationships. I, I jokingly refer to it as Ham Taro Ham Ham uh, Marriage Counselor. Because that's essentially what you do throughout the game is, like, bring couples back together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that sounds like a charming game. I have a similar, like, affinity with, uh, like, Pokemon Red and Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, um, you know, some N64 games. Fucking, did you see their, rem- uh, their remastering Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 for the PS4? I did, actually. Good stuff. Good lord, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Like that that's like things to stick around for. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think it's September that shit drops. Um and man oh man, do I I I still play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1. I throw that on my N64 from time to time still. Mm. It's like the nostalgia never goes away and I'm I'm wondering so much about like our era and how nostalgic I was already at a young age. And I think that there's a, I don't know. I don't mean to go too deep, but I just like, I wondered about that because like I had this innate fear, uh, like in my early twenties of like, but then I was like from 27 perspective, I'm sitting here going, you were only nostalgic for things before your twenties. Cause there was no other life. Like you, it's such a weird thing I just thought of the other day, but I was just like, yeah, you're nostalgic for uh, that time of your life because that was the only time of your life. You're only 20, idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for new experiences and more bad movies to watch. Um, oh, me too. With you, Katie Grotzinger, you mm-hmm. know? I'm oh, looking forward to all it. That, all that is to say that I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Grotzinger. And you have a good one, folks. <laughs>